Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You know, just because football season goes away after the fall every year, unfortunately, the Dunlap Champions Club does not, and we've told you this before, but it's a great event space that you should consider for your team, family, organization, whatever it is. Space, space, and more space. Anything from 10 to 15 people, or I'm told... As many as 800 can be accommodated. Uh, they, they've got space. They do. They've got, uh, if you've been in the Dunlap Champions Club, you know we're talking about the fourth floor and the sixth floor, really, of the University Center Club. But the fourth floor is 20,000 square feet, floor to ceiling windows, overlooks Bobby Bowden Field. They can set it, you know, whatever you want plated function, theater seating, cocktail reception. If you like uh, the terrace, the little outdoor, and, and actually, this time of year. Yeah, yeah. I might not suggest it for late July, early but, August. But this time of year. This time of year, I think that's an option. Same thing up there. Cocktail reception. They'll set it however you want. Just consider it. It's uh, it, it really is a great space. I've, I've been to several functions there. I'd encourage you to do the same. 850-644-1830 for ticket information, or you can call and schedule a private tour. And now, without further ado, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. day everybody tom and kj back with you keith good to see you good to be seen good to be seen always good to be seen i feel like it's groundhog day but i'm told that was a few days ago but here we are talking about signing day again well, yeah and i'm thinking i gotta bring out my board shorts a little early because summer's coming according to the groundhog well actually the groundhog let us know that spring is coming early but in turn that's exactly where i took it. <laughs> i said what they're saying is it's getting warmer quicker and, exactly. and it's gonna be a hot, it's gonna be a hot exactly. one in the summer that's, exactly. what, that's what we're saying so signing day, now we get to do this twice a year on the football side. I and actually, in the portal era, you know, we get to do this again in May or April or whenever somebody else says they're well, coming to FSU. Well, here, here's the analogy someone told me. I'm not sure I ascribe to it yet, but I'll let you and our listeners be the judge. It's like being the, the child of divorced parents. It's like two Christmases. You get one in December and you get another one in February as it relates to signing day, just like you spend Christmas Eve with mom and Christmas Day with dad or whatever the case may be. You, do, do you like or not like that analogy? Well, my parents were not divorced, so I can't comment directly on that, but I get the analogy. We always say recruiting is like Christmas. Get to open up, see what you got. And by the way, but, but, but I would say this, really... Christmas comes when you play the first game, and then you actually look at these names we've talked about, and right away you can go, like I remember LaMarcus Joyner, his first game, big deal, heard about him, and they're routing, it might have been the Samford game in 2010, which was Jimbo's first game. I don't know why I remember that. All of a sudden, it's fourth quarter, they're drilling him, and he lays some guy out, hard shot with two minutes to go in the game. See, I disagree. I disagree. That first game when they perform well is like a birthday because it's special to you. Oh, I hear you. Whatever. How many more analogies can we mess up here? Well, the one that's naturally next is that, unfortunately, it's been more like Halloween because it's been frightening of late. And so we've got to get recruiting back on track. And that's where I'll go with this By the way, why'd you dress up as Halloween last time? No, I'm moving the conversation oh, forward. So we've talked about this. I think that Coach Norvell and his staff, given the compressed time frame, given the nature of having an early signing day, given the hand he was dealt, did about as well as you could absolutely expect. Now, I will add this caveat that Keith and I are recording this show over lunch today. If you're listening to it live, I'm out at the Tallahassee Automobile Museum involved in the signing day event with Coach Norvell. So point being, whatever happened or didn't happen uh, after 12 o'clock, that's why we're not discussing it. I was listening to some commentator who I will let remain nameless, but pointed out, and I hadn't thought about this, I'm going to disagree that they've done about as well as they could do. I'm going to propose they've done better okay. than was expected because the logical comparison is Coach Taggart. What did Coach Taggart do in his first year under a restricted or shortened time frame? But you've got to remember, Coach Taggart recruited heavily in the Southeast when he was at Oregon. So when he moved from Oregon to Florida State, Convincing those kids to come to Tallahassee was not as great a challenge as Coach Novero, who came from Memphis, 
and didn't recruit heavily at Memphis in the Southeast and convincing those kids to come to Florida State. Well, the other thing is that Taggart came in, and you looked at that last year of Jimbo, and it was more of a blip because Florida State had still been winning a lot of football games. Now you've got three years of that, and maybe it's not a blip, and so it's harder to convince kids to commit. Ultimately, time will tell. We won't grade it that way. We won't look back three years from now and have a day where we go, all right, let's celebrate the fact that this was a home run class. Well, you know, there, there is some momentum amongst the national media, those that have the resources. You and I, we could sit down and maybe do this for Florida State, but obviously we couldn't do it for everyone. But there are those that have begun the process of saying, all right, we're, we're going to judge a recruiting class by when they're signed, and then we're going to look four or five years later and give that recruiting class a grade. And that obvious, obviously that second grade is a more important grade when everything's considered about all these kids that came in with notoriety and what did they ultimately end up performing. But it's a less interesting grade because at that point you know the results. Agreed. And so it's either validating, yeah, the team was good, so that recruiting class was good, or yeah, the team was bad, so we knew that that class didn't pan out. All right, so enough conjecture and talk from us. Uh, if you've never listened to the program before, here's the Cliffs Notes. Keith doesn't give a rat's ass about how many stars a player has. He wants to see a football player on the field in pads that he can play. So uh, fast-forwarding, uh, I'm more of the uh, – I don't disagree with that. However, generally speaking, more good players or more better players is better than fewer better players. I would agree. So, However, I go back to my favorite comment made by one Coach Jim Gladden while he's standing next to one Gene McDowell, former coach at Florida State. Man, they all look good on the huff. When they're in shorts and T-shirts. And Jim Gladden, and we'll hear from Mike Norvell here momentarily, also, I don't know if he coined it, but I heard it from him. One of the great phrases, because Jim was always recruiting small towns, South Georgia, wherever. Here we go, folks. Listen up. And he referred to, I was in conversation with him, he referred to a poke and plum town. We, we do this about <laughs> once a year. Fortunately, folks, if you're our age, you don't remember it from last year either, so we're just going to tell you I said, what's a, what's a poke and plum town? He said, you poke your head out the car, you're plum out of town. There you go. Hey, you got to turn over rocks in recruiting. He did it well. Hopefully Mike Norvell and company are doing it well also. Now, Coach Norvell met the media mid-afternoon today to update everybody on just the status of the class, which uh, was, uh, you know, there's still potentially grad transfers coming in. But more or less the early signing period, the regular signing period. Here's the comments from Coach Norvell about his first official class at FSU. I right, appreciate everybody being here. Uh, you know, obviously, an exciting day for Florida State football, uh, being able to, to have a couple of, of key additions to our, our team here moving forward. Uh, just to, to start off, uh, you all want to thank uh, you all of our coaches uh, for the work that they put in over the last uh, couple months in, in, in getting out and being in the high schools and obviously developing the relationships, identifying uh, these young men that we, we absolutely believe are the right fit for our program and uh, are going to help build the foundation for, for not only uh, where we are but for where we're going. And I think it's been an exceptional group uh, with the combination of the two signing dates. Um, you know, there's still a couple of, of uh, you know, you know, potential uh, additions as we're moving forward. But, uh, you know, I think we've been able to identify and fill a lot of needs uh, per position. But really, we're just an incredible group of young men uh, to the coaches, to the, to the coaches' families. Um, you know, it's, a, it's always a... Uh, a trying time when you're you're on the road and, and all the work that goes into it uh, but to the wives and the families you know just very grateful for for all that that has gone into it to our administration uh, to our recruiting department uh, to everybody on campus from the professors academic support athletic training strength and conditioning you know, the the amount of, of, of work that goes into to showcasing all the great things here at Florida State University um, you know we're forever forever grateful for the time that they put into uh, you know uh, uh, painting the picture of what the experience of being a Seminole is going to be uh, to these young men and their families it's uh, it's it's critical uh, to for, for our success and we're, we're grateful for all the work and the time that goes into it. How do you go about scouting a player that missed most of their senior year uh, due to an injury? Well, really, it was it was it was great because both of those young men we had a extensive background with. You know, from my time in uh, in Memphis, you know, I actually went to uh, one of Darren's uh, and Marquiston's games this past season early in the year, and and both those guys were extraordinary talents. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, Darren you know, having the having the injury, um, you know, we 
when we brought him in, we were able to, to really kind of evaluate where he is in his recovery. And uh, both him and Sydney are both well well advanced in, in their rehabilitation. And so uh, you, you do your research and you got you to spend time, you know, getting to know uh, the doctors and, and obviously the procedures that were done, but uh, those are, n are not of any concern whenever they're here on campus. And, um, you know, with Coach Woodson, when, uh, you know, coming in from Auburn, uh, you know, Sydney was a guy that, that uh, they were high on through the recruiting process, so had built a great relationship. Um, and, you know, that really was a, a big time help in, in getting a lot of that background information. And, you know, obviously being in Mobile is not, not too far away, so we've got some great relationships there as well. Uh, excuse me, a few of the guys you got in on late, uh, how much of, um, I guess, Florida State's brand helps in that, and how much of it is just existing relationships that your staff had with their previous schools? I think it's a great combination of both. Um, you know, we have one of the greatest brands and uh, most uh, uh, tradition-rich programs in all of college football. And, and these kids, uh, you know, much like myself growing up, you, you, see the, you see the brand and the, the expectation of excellence that we have as a program, that they want to be a part of that. And they can get a sense of the of the staff that we have, uh, the relationship that we that we built, the the, the attention to detail throughout the the recruiting process. Whether it's uh, a couple weeks that they getting to, to know them, to you know obviously a, uh, you know over a couple of years of, of being able to build a relationship with a specific position coach, or um, you know an understanding of, of who I am and what we're all about. And you know you know here at the beginning you talk about the vision of where we're going, but it's more about the the journey of what it's going to take to get there. And that's what these kids buy into. Uh, college football, it needs Florida State to be you know, among the nation's elite because that's what, that has become an expectation over the years. And it's one of the reasons that I'm here. It's one of the reasons I'm excited about this group and the, and the, the young men that we've been able to add because they want to be a part of that journey. And nothing is given. Nothing is easy. Uh, the, the, uh, I tell kids all the time, I probably have one of the worst recruiting speeches uh, that can possibly give, be given because I talk to them. I say there are 129 other programs you can go to. That's going to be a heck of a lot easier than this one. This is going to be about work. It's going, to be, it's going to be about trying to maximize the potential that these kids have, and it's going to be all-inclusive approach, what they're doing on the field, off the field, in the classroom. So finding young men that want to be a part of that uh, and do it with elite-level talent, that's what I'm excited about with, with many of these young men that we've been able to add, you know, especially even in just this second, uh, this second signing, the signing date, because I think they check all those boxes. Coach, a couple questions about Corey Wren. Uh, first, because of that transcendent speed, is he a guy that you'll look seriously at kick and or punt returns? And then also, when you have a guy that has that kind of elite level speed, how do you typically like to use them on offense? Uh, we like to use them in every way, as many different ways as we can get the ball in their hand, try to get them into space. Uh, it's kind of funny. You talk about relationships. Well, Corey was one of the first players that I offered at, at my previous institution at the running back spot, really that four-back position uh, that we use. You look at the guys like Tony Pollard with the Dallas Cowboys, you know, Kenny Gainwell, uh, he was just a freshman All-American. You know, Corey has a lot of that similar that similar, similar skill set where he can do it all. If he was just a play receiver, he would be great. If he was a big, put in the backfield, at what he did at uh, you know John Curtis High School, which was one of the greatest uh, uh, high school programs in in, uh, in the country. You see you see a young man that is, is disciplined. He's tough. He's explosive. Uh, you want to find the, a way to get the ball in his hands, uh, you know, any way possible. And I think that's what he brings that home home run hitting threat uh, to our offense and and obviously into the program. Mike Norvell, the first one is in the books. They've already rapidly made progress, it would appear, on his second class because that's accelerated too. They've had a junior day, got another quarterback commit. How about this, Keith? Three quarterback commits in two months. What who'd, is, who'd have thunk it? We will talk more recruiting with our Osceola insider, Patrick Burnham, next segment. He's much more plugged in than we are about what these guys are going to bring to the table, so we'll get his comments momentarily. I do want to mention, though, Keith, that where you're making your living these days, just traveling around with a top-10 basketball team that even when they don't play great, they're just beating North Carolina. I mean, that game was closer than we wanted, but you really didn't have that much suspense down the stretch. That's just where we are now. Oh, ho-hum. I took a nap twice. It was very evident. We talked about this last week. Only twice? Was that was that when they were adding one second back to the game clock the other day, and it took four <laughs> minutes to do that? You took a quick cat nap? Yeah. Uh, good for Sean McDonough for, by the way, opining as he was calling that game that it was a waste of time. This goes to our whole separate conversation about, you know, in football, you really don't need to review if the ball's on the 42 and a half or the 42 and a quarter. Just let it go and keep playing. Exactly. Um, 
we talked about this last week. Patrick Williams defensively is the difference between this team being we're in the second weekend and this team being we're in the third weekend, which is the final four. He is that much of an eraser around the block. And, and, and it begs two questions, and I go back to two games. Number one, he wasn't available for the Virginia game that they lost, and, and what a difference he may or may not have made. And I go the way back to the first game, Pitt. You know, they didn't play him much. Would he have made a bigger difference if he had gotten more time on the court? Not a criticism of the coaching staff. That's not what you do with true freshmen uh, under, under Leonard Hamilton. I get that. But my point is we are now recognizing what a, what a truly great talent he is. Off, offensively, he's got that 10 to 12, 14-foot turnaround jump shot. But defensively, the ability to block shots, alter shots, and rebound is is just phenomenal. I mean, he plays like he's seven foot tall. I commented on this early in the season after calling a few games with you and watching him do it, and this seems like no big deal, but to me it impresses me. And he did it the other night in the last minute or so when he went to the free throw line two times in a row, the first trip. Well, he's made like 14 in a row, by the, the way. The second free throw is not even in the cylinder yet, and he's already turned around and set up in his defensive position for the inbound pass because he knows it's in, and he's not checking the scoreboard. He's not waving to anybody. He's not making yeah, – there's his, no theatrics. His, he is turned around defending the ball. His basketball IQ is yeah. off the charts. He's much like yeah. uh, you know, Tony Douglas. He's much like uh, Bob Sura, you know, kids that just had great basketball IQs, innately aware of what was going on in the game. So – Welcome. I don't want to say, well, I guess he was missing a little bit. So welcome back. But I think really he's just, we're still just kind of scratching the surface with him and still with this team. We've seen, God forbid that somebody play FSU on the night that MJ is going to shoot like he did at Louisville and Devin's going to shoot like he did seven for seven yeah, at Virginia they, Tech and, they Patrick, combined. and Trent's going to go to the rim and, and Wyatt Wilkes comes off the bench and hits four. I you mean, know, they, I know that's a perfect storm, but you can see these parts and pieces. They beat there. Carolina by five or six, whatever it was. And Vassell and MJ combined for less than 10 points. Yeah. Wow. We'll take it. Miami is up next. Noon game on Saturday. I'll remind you that you should head to Madison Social, pregame, postgame. But they do a great brunch on uh, every Saturday and Sunday from 10 to 4. For you late risers, you can so you can actually go to the game and get brunch after the game if you choose. But their uh, stack of the month is the red velvet pancake this month. If you're headed to Madison, so- Madison Social this weekend, you and Gene are usually there before and after the game, right? As I recall, if it's a noon tip, I mean it's the sweet spot. Is you that can... a comment on the fact that we eat a lot, or is that a comment that we love Madison Social? Well, it was that, and that the quality is so excellent and superb at Madison Social. All right, I'll, I'll agree with that part of the. Now comment. that you bring it up, though, I think you do eat a lot. We'll take Leave a break. Come back with Patrick Burnham from the Osceola right after this on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ back with you. We're going to uh, pry open that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together. Say hello to our uh, good friend and recruiting aficionado from the Osceola, our Osceola insider, Patrick Burnham. How are you, Pat? Great, guys. How about y'all? We're doing well. You know, I did not disclose to Keith yet, I'll do so now, that while he was hard at work calling that win over North Carolina the other night, you and I might have been imbibing and enjoying the view from one of the suites at the uh, Tucker Center the other night. Might have been. I don't know if your sources can confirm. We enjoyed ourselves at the game. Yeah, that rumor is out there, so uh, that's all I'll share, Keith. Uh, all right. I don't like either one of you. Let's let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about signing day. And I mentioned in the first segment. So uh, if you're listening to this show, uh, well, live or uh, later, if you time shifted it, uh, we recorded over lunch on Wednesday, and so not all of the news was is in as we're talking right now. So specifically, there's a couple of recruits we don't know about. So let's let's talk about what we do know. Uh, Patrick, Florida State. Uh, you know, he. We talked about this last week, but Coach Norvell had a flurry of commitments after some mid-January visits. 
I think there were five or six, and it looks like just about all those have uh, come home and are in now. So share what, what impresses you most maybe about this this small group of signees that came in today. Well, I mean, I think there's some impressive kids in this group, both kids that were being nationally recruited and obviously some kids that were under the radar, which uh, having a staff in transition kind of forced upon the staff to go look at maybe some kids that have been passed over or had not actually uh, been recruited up to their ability. Uh, you know, I think of uh, a guy like LaDamian Webb, who was a junior college All-American at Jones County Junior College. Five eight one ninety was the state player of the year in Alabama as a senior in high school. Uh, is a guy that's uh, small but compact and has a blend of speed and power and can catch the ball in the backfield. And you know, I think you look at what they've done to the backfield uh, has been very good with Ladamian Webb, Lawrence Tuafelli, uh, Coburn from Texas A and M, and obviously Wren, uh, Corey Wren signed today as well from John Curtis and. New Orleans, Louisiana, and you know he's got elite speed, ten uh, four type speed in 100 meters on the, on the track. And obviously, if you watch his film, uh, he has uh, got tremendous speed, straight line speed with the football in his hand. So they have brought some playmakers into the backfield. Uh, you know, obviously, we'll see what happens with the returning guys, Kalen uh, LeBorn, and those type of guys if they stick with the program or if there's more uh, activity in the transfer portal as we get into spring practice in March. Uh, certainly, um, so I think they've benefited themselves there. And then, of course, they actually signed uh, DJ Lundy, an athlete, 6'1", 244, out of Irwin County, Osceola, Georgia. Uh, he came down to Georgia, Virginia Tech, and Florida State. And again, another, the, I think the theme of this class with a lot of these guys is versatility. Uh, he was a big running back in high school who I think is going to be a downhill middle linebacker at the college level, uh, but certainly uh, if they kept him on offense or chose to put him over there, he would be a great change of pace back for them. He's a power back. Uh, you know, I hate to use names or comparisons, but uh, you know, people kind of bounce off of him. Very strong kid. Uh, you know, obviously they have added five offensive linemen. If you keep the account, the early signee guys and. Uh, Devontae Taylor, the transfer from FIU. And again, guys that have size, and for the most part, all of them besides Taylor's best football is ahead of them. Uh, they're all big kids, very athletic, uh, some more athletic than others, but kids that have a chance to develop into some very good football players. Uh, Zane Herring's a tough kid, and he'll probably be start inside at guard. Schrader's another physical guy that will be a guard center, Thomas Schrader. And then, of course, you got the kid from Miami, Killian Lloyd Willis, who I said this to you guys in December, might be the most athletic guy in the class at 6'6", 300 pounds. So, I mean, he's just a tremendous athlete who's got a tremendous upside if he develops. And then, of course, you signed Robert Scott today from Conway High School in Conway, Arkansas, who was an old Miss commit at one time. Again, another big kid, lots of athletic ability, um, a kid that will only get better as he gets more football experience under his belt. Uh, so certainly they've moved in the right direction in a lot of sense. And, you know, as we've talked about before, uh, and adding two quarterbacks during the early signing period, certainly a uh, big hit for Florida State there. Pat, we've talked on this show, you and I've talked individually, Tom and I occasionally have disagreed, uh, the age-old thing about do you recruit a bunch of five stars and bring them in and let them play? Do you recruit quote-unquote three stars and develop them? I think one of the things that I'm most impressed with is if you look at Memphis' track record with the kids that Norvell brought in with his staff, they, they weren't able to get all the five stars. They got some you know mid-level type of people, but grew them once they got into the program. One of the criticisms of the last three or four years is that FSU has not developed their players. These appear to be a group of kids that are that can be developed into great football players. And it appears that this is a staff that may do that. I think that's an interesting dynamic. We won't know the answer to, but what are your thoughts about, you know, putting those two together? Well, I, you know, I think if you go back to the glory days of, uh, you know, uh, the dynasty era for every, uh, you know, Deion Sanders wasn't a five-star. He was a relative unknown. But if you look at back to the glory days of FSU football, for every war we've done, there was a Matt Fryer. I mean, they were, you know, there was a, it was complimentary recruiting. It was the process of building a team together, uh, putting the team together. And yes, uh, 
you know, as a college football coach, your main job is, besides winning football game, games, is to develop talent. And they certainly, these gentlemen that are on the staff, if you go back and read their bios, certainly have a tremendous track record in doing that. But uh, certainly, you know, most of your prospects are going to be three-star kids. There's not a lot of five-star kids out there. Uh, so, uh, but yes, I think they've done a good job of putting together a very solid class. And what is, I, I don't think people understand how difficult it is to put together a class when you're transitioning from one staff to another. Uh, it's particularly coming off back-to-back losing records. So I think that they've, uh, they've only, they only, you know, they did a much, they added to the class, added significant strength to the class once they got here, and they held on to all those kids, a lot of the kids that had been committed before they got here. Exceeded expectations would how I, yeah. how I would put it. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting, and this one may relate more to a twenty-one commit because they got another quarterback to commit out of Starkville, Mississippi, and I think he's the one who uh, admitted that he's been an FSU fan. So when you think about FSU, and you mentioned the back-to-back losing seasons, and it's you know it's longer and longer ago to look back at twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen, the Jameis years, uh, and yet here's a kid who was what, 10, 11 years old at that time and still has FSU in the brain. So it's still carrying weight is the point I'm making. Oh, yeah, I think Florida State's definitely got a brand. and uh, We all we all uh, think of great football teams. We think of Florida State. And uh, I think that uh, most people are kind of like uh, us. This is, uh, this is more of an aberration in the last two years than it is anything else. This is not what we've come to expect from Florida State. And you certainly have a lot to sell when you sell Florida State as a coaching staff. Uh, beautiful campus, great history in athletics. Uh, probably never been a better time in athletics as a whole to be at Florida State. Uh, there are a lot of successful sports programs, and then of course it's got you can get a great education here and a, and a beautiful town. And uh, so yeah, I think Florida State still got a lot to sell. They got three Heisman's, I believe, and a couple of Buckus Award winners, and uh, three big old Natty trophies sitting in that room. So uh, people do know, at least kids do know that there, there's a chance of coming here and uh, win big time. I think. Do you have, and I realize you may not have studied it much, do you have any thoughts on the progress that's being made towards the, the class of tw- Tribe 21 already? Which uh, it, it's, well, still, it's still tough for me to wrap my head around the fact that you got to get right into it. But, I mean, the reality is they'll be signing before Christmas. So it's, it's accelerated that timeline. Yeah, I mean, they've def- the staff uh, has definitely uh, gone out and they are aggressively recruiting juniors and sophomores. They've got, uh, a, a, from, I can't tell you how many uh, – I think at one time it was about 200 junior offers. Now that does not mean that some of those could be offers from the previous staff. So I'm trying to collect that information, but I am glad you said that because uh, we are going to broaden our recruiting coverage with the Osceola, particularly starting with this 21 class and moving into 22 and 23. So, uh, but yes, they, they are definitely in the, as most coaches, they've got so many kids signed during the early signing period whether it's Florida State or any other college, that they are really spending most of January, uh, maybe not the case for Florida State at this particular juncture, uh, but there was a lot of junior recruiting being done in the month of January by the FSU staff. There's no doubt about that. Should mention, because I haven't uh, already, that you should uh, check out a free trial of the Osceola. Go online to theosceola.com, or better yet, subscribe for just six ninety five a month or seventy four ninety five annually for that uh, enhanced recruiting coverage, as well as great coverage of all Florida State athletics from uh, Patrick and the rest of the Osceola folks. Uh, what else would you like to talk about on the recruiting front, Keith? Well, the, the one question, this is more of a macro question as opposed to signing day thing, but what, what's the, is there any empirical data, Pat, or, or anecdotal thought about what happens to the kids that come in early versus those that come in in August or, or rather in the summer because they come in in the summer. But, I mean, has anybody studied whether that's a good thing or a bad thing when a kid gives up, you know, if you will, the last half of the year of his senior year at home? Well, I, I think it's easy to see both sides of it, right, As a as just as a kid, as a human being, not being able to enjoy that last six months at home, uh, you know, with your parents, with your friends, graduate. I mean, I'm sure most of these kids go back and graduate, walk with their class. But uh, certainly there's some experiences that you miss out on from a personal standpoint and maybe even from, uh, you know, a family standpoint. But uh, I think depending on the position, like a kid like Zane Herring, who needs some time in the weight room, a lot of these offensive linemen, uh, 
you know, the quicker you can get an offensive lineman in or a defensive lineman in and get him on a in your college strength program and on the training table and you know, uh, working with the uh, strength and conditioning staff, I think there's a benefit on the football field for sure. It, it accelerates their advancement, but uh, certainly there's probably some things that these kids are. I think once they went to the first morning of off-season conditioning, uh, I think there's eight or nine of them here that enrolled early. I think they probably wish they were back in, in English class. Because, that, that algebra uh, class with Miss Stumberg at, at, in the third period didn't look so bad now, does it? <laughs> no, because I can assure you they got to know those coaches in a totally different way when, when they went to their first off-season conditioning program. So, uh, But, no, I think that you know, I think it, it benefits a guy like uh, the quarterback, Tate Rotemaker, uh, you know, he's in, he's already in the system, he's already in the ends and outs of the offense, he's working with the receivers and the running backs, developing timing and seven on seven. So I think there's a lot more, uh, there's a lot more advantageous for the kids on the field than it is off the field and really early, in my opinion. Now, obviously, some guys will do better in school because they're able to, you know, they're not coming in and going through fall practice and learning to take 12 hours. Uh, of course, that's been offset by the fact that almost every kid enrolls for six hours in the summer. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sure there's, I, there's there's good and bad and everything, right? But, uh, you know, I think from as far as on the field, uh, enrolling early is certainly a benefit. There, there's only good to having you on the show, though, Pat. We'll, we'll just, I mean, yeah, And we miss you when you're not here. We appreciate well, it, though. That will break Jerry and Bob's heart. No, we tell them the same thing. Yeah, if you guys are ever all listening at the same time, then we'll be in trouble. <laughs> Patrick Burnham, our Osceola Insider. Thanks, Pat. All right, guys. I'll be soon. Thanks, Pat. All right, learn more about the Osceola online at theosceola.com. He didn't answer my question. He played it both ways. It is political season. It's an election year. He he, he, he What's he running for? He, he towed the line, did he yeah, not? He he's, did. I'm going to give you the left and the right, and he did it. We are not going to give you the left and right, but we will tell you about Stadium Blitz, which you've probably, if Keith's not on social media, but Keith, just imagine if every time you drove down the street, a mail truck stopped over and they waved something in front of your face and it had an ad for Stadium Blitz on it. That's what it's been like on Facebook and social media lately. And that's why I don't sign up for it. Anyway, it's happening at Doak this weekend, and we'll explain exactly what it is after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. Welcome back. Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ, as we continue. A lot of recruiting talk. We'll put that aside for now because something else that has created a buzz here of late is called Stadium Blitz, which is coming up this weekend at Doak Campbell Stadium. We'll get a better explanation of exactly what that is from our next guest. And our next guest is Jessica Rooney, the Associate GM from Complex Sports and Entertainment. She joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. She's also an old friend. Jessica, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, guys. How are you doing? We are doing great. And Do we have to call her Jessica now that she's an associate GM? I feel very... <laughs> so she was always Jess. In full disclosure... You guys know me as Jess. You can call me Jess. We work together. Uh, Jess used to be with uh, IMG and assist us with the radio network. But So I guess the first question, what exactly is complex sports and entertainment, and how does it uh, tie into FSU? Yeah, um, so Complex Sports Entertainment was founded in 2018, actually by an FSU alum um, by the name of Mark Neifeld, who was a veteran in the venue space. He's worked, you know, at some of the most famous stadiums around the country, um, and he just had a vision to create programming in entertainment venues and create unique experiences in these venues around the country. And he, you know, being an FSU alum, has a passion for Tallahassee and Florida State, and so he really wanted to create that programming at Florida State. Um, so Florida State Athletics and Complex actually entered into a partnership in July 2019 with a goal to just create programming in the spaces when they aren't being used for athletics events. 
So, and this might not be the perfect description, but if you think of what the Champions Club is in terms of you can host events in there 365 days a year, even though there's only football there seven days a year, eight days a year, counting the spring game. Uh, same type thing here, only you're actually using the athletic venues. Uh, and and I guess the two, the, the two big maybe flagship cornerstone events would be Stadium Blitz and also Top Golf coming. But you're doing some other things that are maybe lower profile, but but still can generate revenue and get people into the venues. Is that right? Yeah, so that's exactly it. So we're taking all the venues that people are used to attending for football games and baseball games, soccer, softball, and we're just creating program programming 365 days out of the year. So we have our Seminole Experience Tour Program, which we launched in September of 2019, which gives fans the ability to go behind the scenes and gain access to all these athletic venues when they're not being used for games. Um, we also have all of our venues open for private rentals, so people can have corporate events, host banquets, birthday parties, celebrations, I mean, cherry softball games, the Joanne Graff Field, you name it. Um, and then we also have our own brands that we bring to our partner venues, which um, Experiology is one of those where we create programming and activities that range from fitness classes to culinary arts and fine arts. We had yoga on the field at Doak last week. And then um, two of the big ones, our major events coming that you just named, are Top Golf Live, which is coming in April, and then the Monster Hydro Stadium, which is happening this Saturday. So let's get right to it because there's been a lot of Rob Gronkowski, Dalvin Cooks back. I don't know how yeah. they fit in, but can you give us the sort of the Cliffs notes? What is Monster Hydro Stadium Blitz? Yes. So Monster Hydro Stadium Blitz is a 5K obstacle course race. It uh, weaves through iconic collegiate and pro stadiums, um, and we're excited that its 2020 tour kicks off at Doak. Um, there's 15 obstacles throughout the three miles. Um, people can, will go from climbing a cargo net on the field, carrying a sand back up, sandbag up stadium stairs, uh, swinging kettlebells in the locker room, um, and they'll get a great workout and a chance to compete at Doak. Um, and the thing that makes Stadium Blitz different um, from your typical races is the element of gamification. So it's like a real-life video game. Basically, every participant will have a wristband um, that they scan, and they'll get points for every obstacle. Um, they don't get deducted points if there's any obstacle that they don't feel like competing. Um, so it allows you to compete and all the obstacles and get points for it. Um, and yeah, you mentioned Rob Gronkowski. So Rob Gronkowski and Gronk Nation have been great partners to the Stadium Blitz brand. Um, their family breathes team sports and fitness, and Stadium Blitz was just a great way for them to stay involved in fitness and inspire others to not only compete, but to have fun while doing it. All right, I have a question. Do yeah. they have to deposit money in case the kettleball gets away from them and goes through a window. <laughs> oh, boy. We have insurance for that, luckily. Keith, you can't even lift the kettleball, so we're safe there. Well, I, I can lift a two-pound kettleball. <laughs> um, hey, I challenge you guys to come out and give it a try. That's uh, for sure. Uh, well, is one, is one, fortunately, I have a, a basketball game sometime that day. <laughs> Let me, well, it's earlier in the day. Yeah, you so come you're not helping, Jess. You're not helping. <laughs> I, you know, the obstacles I face on the sideline are trying to make sure that when the safety blasts the receiver out of bounds, that I'm not collateral damage. So well, you don't get run over by the cart that has yeah, a television yeah, so camera. Those are the obstacles I'm used to dealing with. So to that end, and then I've got some more questions on this, Jess. But how do people get involved? What time does this thing start? Uh, give us some information there. Yeah, so it starts at 3:30 on Saturdays when gates open, and then the first race will start at five o'clock. So we're going to have three heats at 5, 5.30, and 6 for just anyone who wants to participate. Um, anyone 7 and older can join. Um, and then at 7 o'clock is when the competitive heat begins for all of like, the elite athletes who are used to running in Spartan races and things like that. Um, anyone can purchase tickets. They can go to stadiumblitz.com. Um, tickets are available now, and they actually will increase on event day. So I definitely encourage everyone to, to purchase those tickets ahead of time. And if there's anyone who's interested in going to Doak, being a part of it, and just spectating. Um, there are $10 spectator tickets available at stadiumblitz.com as well. So are Gronk and Dalvin actually participating or are they just coaching? What's what's their role and what's the access yeah. going to be to them? Yeah, they are. They are competing against each other. So obviously I mentioned Gronk is a huge partner of Stadium Blitz and so to add to the competitive component of Stadium Blitz, uh, Gronk really wanted to bring in someone that the Tallahassee community and Florida State fans know well, um, and we thought there was no better person than Delvin Cook. So they will actually be competing against each other. They'll both be at Doak. Um, probably have them in between heats, like, you know, 
we have a heat go off at 5.30, we'll probably have the two of them go off. But yes, they're, they're going to be racing against each other. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Hey, you know, fortunately, the uh, the footprint of the station doesn't reach Minneapolis because I'm curious, are the Vikings aware that Dalvin's going to be doing these obstacles? Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know. But we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that he is extra, extra careful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in addition to the Blitz, Jess, uh, some other activities coming up, not the least of which is Top Golf, which comes up in April. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so Top Golf Live is another one of the programs that Complex is bringing to all of our partner venues. That is actually coming to Doak April 23rd through 26th. Um, so we'll have the bays built out in the south end zone, and fans will be able to come and hang out just like they would at Top Golf. But it'll be at Doak, and they'll be shooting targets right onto Bobby Bowden Field. Any other uh, significant events, you know, being talked about? It's just us having a conversation here, Jess, if you want to let any cats out of the bag at this point. Uh, no other cats at the moment. I would I would definitely fill you guys in if I knew of them. Um, but, yeah, just for our upcoming major events, that's Blitz and Top Golf Live just for now. We definitely have some other things on the horizon, um, looking to bring, you know, food festivals and more of our fitness classes and art classes coming, but nothing has been solidified just yet. Cool. Well, we appreciate the update. I know I've heard a lot of people talk about it, but I don't think anybody has an idea yet of what exactly it is. Um, so that's a good overview. And uh, if you if you attend this week, obviously you'll know. But uh, good luck. It, it sounds exciting. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Jessica Rooney, Associate GM from uh, Complex Sports and Entertainment. Friend of program. We got a lot of friends of program. They're the only ones who will come on. Exactly. Just, yeah. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to now, in my own mind, wonder why I'm afraid of kettleballs. I don't know, but this is, uh, I mentioned this last week, Keith, and I'm not astute enough to have strategically scheduled this, but it is a good, I can't do this and even attempt to make a fool of myself because I'm having my ankle surgery tomorrow. So I will not be participating in any kettleball throwing or whatever the other obstacles well, Thoughts are. and prayers on that, but I know you timed it intentionally that way. Don't do. Don't even try to say it's coincidence. We will uh, come back uh, coincidentally and do one more segment on this show for good or for bad. Right after this on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. We got a few more minutes to go. Keith, are you twittering over there? No, I, no, I had to scratch. <laughs> You're actually using your phone, though. Well, I'm for... just trying, just trying to keep up with things. But I no, can't... I am not twittering. Okay. Anything else you'd like to add about uh, signing day, basketball, life in general? Uh, all three. Number one, um, and I'll combine two of them. I, I have begun working out again. I'm actually back in the gym, I, and I counted up. It's been 37 years since I've been in a gym. Um, give, or, give or take. And it dang near killed me. And it's dang near killing me. But this is how this is how bad it's gotten. I'm 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 at this particular establishment. They're not an advertiser. Oh, well, it was Titus. It was Titus. We all love Titus. Adam and 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 uh, and those folks. And and I'm Adam. Uh, you're going to get a call from one of us now. Yeah, give so. plug. Yeah. And I'm working out with Michael, his partner. And uh, and uh, two things come. Number one, I find out that Michael. Uh, played baseball with my son at Childs, so I know, knew him when he was a little bitty guy, and he ain't a little bitty guy no more. And number two, I look over to my right, and and, and there's Trey Fisher. Now he's a senior in high school, mm-hmm. and I'm 61 years old. And I look at the weight I'm working with, and the weight he's working with, and it's disparagingly different. <laughs> And not in your favor. And not in my favor. Understand. And I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be a long road to hoe. But I am back in the gym, and I'm going to try to do some balance stuff and and a little cardio, maybe work on a little bit of weights and try to get some of this fat off of me. 
and uh, let's we'll see we'll see how it goes. Okay, well then you can inspire me because I joke now, but uh, that's where I need to be as well. A couple things here as we wrap up. Well, first of all, we always have to thank the. Uh, Fine folks at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for their longtime support of our program, and uh, you know the deal. Of course, I'm in that six-week window now where I've got an excuse. I don't have to do any of the do-it-yourself projects because you're, you're coming you're over You're going to weigh that for all your worth, right? I might milk it into like three months instead of six weeks. Well, and we'll remind you when you think of, I'm Cornerstone, when you think of Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, it is where all the pros and do-it-yourselfers go to shop. Big box pricing with local service, two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Tallahassee location open on Saturdays from 8 a.m. till noon. We appreciate Ron and his fine folks, as they say. Cool story that came out this week that may not have uh, gone across our listeners, gotten on our listeners' radar yet, but it involves Mike Martin, senior, as in the one who retired. And the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association announced uh, yesterday that the annual award honoring the top Division One baseball coach is going to be renamed in Mike Martin's honor. Now that is that is pretty cool for a guy that had the career that he had and all the wins that he had and obviously didn't win the biggest one. Won a lot of big ones, but not the biggest one per se. And I don't know if he knew that was coming, but uh, that, that's quite an honor if your name is the one attached to the Coach of the Year award they're going to give out. And I would agree, and I would think it uh, is well-deserved, and congratulations to to 11. That's, that's pretty cool. We will get uh, – he's not 11 junior. He's just meat, and he doesn't wear 11. Any, but baseball season is starting uh, next week, so maybe we'll have meat on uh, next week to give us a little bit of a preview. I want to go back to basketball, though. And, and again, if you're, if you're just tuning in or you've been in and out, we recorded uh, today's show. It is signing day, and uh, we put this in the can, so to speak, before all of the recruiting news was done because we're actually involved. I'm involved in the signing day event. Well, the, and again, for our listeners, that's why we call ourselves Front Row Knowles, as you and I have the, the, the unique opportunity and pleasure to be kind of involved and tom is hosting the recruiting uh, show announcement thing this afternoon this evening so that's why we have to uh, record early we get the opportunity to be front row but sometimes we have to be a little bit late uh, but that's okay i appreciate it and uh, yeah it's always it's a really good event it's uh even in spite of the last couple of years or whatever i mean this event is now into its 14th year which when I looked at the script, it's hard for me to believe that we're 14 years into this. But it's a good event, and one of the uh, the really cool things is that the assistant coaches talk, too. Well, this used, to be, even, known, this used to be known as the Coach Trickett Stand-Up Comedy Hour. Yeah. Well, and there's, <laughs> there's a lot of them that have some zingers in here uh, over the years, but I look forward to getting to know some of the new, the new coaches as well. Um, I wanted to bounce back to basketball, Keith, and I don't know how the season's going to finish up, but I think we're all – we're all, meaning you, me – whoever else we want to lump in there. We're in agreement that Florida State's going to finish in the top three in the ACC. Would you say yes to that? Without, in, uh, absent a complete collapse, yes. Um, they got Miami, then they've got Duke, they got Pitt in there. I mean, they've got a road trip to at NC State, at Notre Dame is still out there. Louisville at home. Louisville again. Yeah, and the Louisville game, like the Duke game, both Mondays after playing on Saturdays. Well, here, here's the biggest bigger thing about that. Florida State will play on three big Mondays this year well and that's the answer because when you look at it and believe me we've done this over the years about that's the ACC's not giving us a fair shake well you know what if you're going to play at that level in the ACC you're going to take some of the better TV spots and that's what's happening at FSU here's where I'm going with this the last couple years and I want your opinion because you lived it with them Florida State got sent to the west region and the way they do the the seating is they're not going to put two teams from the ACC into the same region. So what's happened to FSU is Duke, Carolina, and Virginia have gotten the East, the South, and the Midwest, and here's Florida State as the fourth team that gets sent out West. Now, FSU's had good runs out there. This year, since Carolina is down, FSU's going to be in the top three, and it would stand to reason that they're not going to get sent to California. Now, we don't know. There's a lot of basketball left. But I started looking at it, and I thought, boy, it'd be great if they played closer to home and, you know, you don't have to go all the way three time zones away. And then I looked at it, and Baylor may end up being a top seed, and Houston is one of the regionals. And I thought, I don't know if you're better off as a two or three having to play Baylor in front of what's probably a home crowd there compared to going to California. So my question to you is, when they played Michigan and whoever else they've played out west, was it really truly neutral side, or were the other teams just overbearing and it felt like a road game? It doesn't matter. 
I mean, that's the neat thing about basketball. It doesn't matter because Florida State will play at Duke on Monday night. How many FSU fans do you think will be at Duke on Monday night? Well, they've had trouble getting tickets because it's a small arena to begin with. So I'm going to go 17. I'm going to go with 43. Yeah. And my point is now you're playing in neutral sites, and even in Michigan, brings 8,000 people, and Florida State brings 100. That's no different than playing at Cameron Indoor or playing at the Smith Center or playing at Louisville. And so uh, basketball is one of the, the unique sports. Baseball, I think, also would fall in there. It doesn't matter because you're used to not being in arenas that that you have fan support. So that's my answer to that. Now, the travel and how you match up, uh, that is certainly issues that Florida State and Leonard Hamilton would like to have a better feel for. But also, one thing about basketball is the reason Florida State's been going out west is because they're the number four and sometimes even the number five team in the ACC. So when they end up being the number three team or the number two team, the selection committee will take that into consideration. That's, and, and so you have the opportunity. In other words, that's you the, can materially affect that by how well you play. Yeah, that's the point I'm making yeah, is that yeah. because they're not going to be number four and they should be in the top three, they shouldn't be out west. Now, where I think they will be is, and this is first and second round, not regionals, is in Tampa. I mean, it would be logical that FSU would play that, in Tampa. That's the, kind of the hope for thing. When you look at the regionals, uh, Indianapolis – is the Midwest, and it, you know if Louisville keeps tracking the way they were, maybe that's the ACC rep that goes there. The West is out at, uh, hosted by Pepperdine, is out in L.A. at the Staples Center. The South region is in Houston at the Toyota Center, and the East region is at Madison Square Garden. Now, I would think Duke would potentially be who would go there from the ACC, so I really think when you look at it, to me, FSU ends up out in Houston instead of out in California. But but there's a lot of basketball left. And the good thing also about it, you know, you know, you you talk about whether you want to be a 2 or a 3 and when does that match you up with the 1 and who is the 12 or the 13 that you get in the first round. You know, I I will tell you Leonard Hamilton's thought on that. I've not talked to him about it, but I've been around long enough to know it doesn't matter. It's the tournament. And you play whoever you play yeah. and and you that's 40 minutes that you commit to, and whether you're playing the number one seed or the number 13 seed, you know you take one game at a time, and you advance if you win, you go home if you lose, and that's just the way he approaches it. Florida State plays Miami at noon on Saturday and then gets Duke on Monday night. Don't forget the, uh, the uh, softball season starts this weekend, I think on Friday for Lonnie Alameda and her crew. Top 10 program. Uh, they've enhanced the stadium there, so go out and support them. Stadium Blitz on Saturday night. Keith has been heavily training, so he'll be uh, participating as a spectator. And uh, That's how most of my participation works these days. Good Lord willing, we'll both be back here next week for another edition of Front Row Knowles. And good luck with your surgery. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, go Knowles.